Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living La Belle Vie. I am your host, Monday Young, your expert expat life coach, and I am so excited about my interview today. Today, I am going to be speaking with Lisa Anselmo, who is the author of My part-time Paris life. It is a story about breaking away, finding your voice, and chasing your dreams. Now, Lisa is not just an author. She's also a speaker, a coach, and a branding expert. She has spent most of her professional career in magazine publishing in New York, working on such iconic brands as Allure and Style and People. Her memoir, My Part-Time Paris Life, is a candid story of a woman searching for purpose in the city of lights. She also has a blog and YouTube series of the same name. Lisa is also the founding director and editor-in-chief of Save the Paris Cafe, a collaborative creative project celebrating culture in Paris. And she is the co-founder of No Love Locks, an association that fights for the preservation of heritage sites of Paris. Today, we're going to be speaking with Lisa about her journey to Paris, how it was a way of healing and becoming and starting anew. She will be giving her insights, tips, and advice on how if you want to chase your dreams of living in Paris, what life is really like. So hello, Lisa, and thank you for joining me today to talk a bit about your your book, your coaching, and your branding, and your journey that you've had um, here in Paris. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, well, I got a chance to read your book, and to be to be honest, I really felt like um, beside it being a memoir about. Um, you starting your life in France and in Paris. Um, I also thought it was really like an undercover personal development book. And I would like to dive a bit deeper into all the different things uh, that you went through emotionally and mentally uh, just by starting a new life in, here in, in, in France. Sure, happy to. But before we get into all the the details, I just wanted you to talk a bit about just you know for people who haven't read your book mm-hmm. a bit about what what is what sure, is sure a bit about the book sure so it's a memoir that chronicles my journey from desperation and hopelessness after the death of my mother from breast cancer to okay. reinvention and a sense of purpose in Paris. My mother was the center of my universe, and I built my whole life on her. She was a very, like Italian moms, a very strong, defining mm-hmm. force in my life, but maybe too defining, because when she died, I realized I hadn't built a life on my own terms. In fact, the first words out of my mouth when she breathed her last breath was, oh, my God, now what? That is yeah, pretty yeah. And I, and I can relate to that, and, which, is, uh, which is part of the reason I reached out to you was because my mother also died of cancer. She was also, you know, a big matriarch in our family. Her opinion mattered so much to me. So I know I definitely really related with that um, when I was reading your book. Yeah, that's the thing. that The book has many themes. It's a book about reinvention. It's a book about expat life in Paris. It's also a book about... 
um, finding purpose after the loss of a loved one. There are a lot of different themes in there, and mm, I think that's why mm. so many people relate to the book. And so I talk about that. I, I went through a very dark period of time, and I um, it just I, I started to play with the idea of buying an apartment in Paris. I'd been going to Paris two times a year. I had a whole bunch of friends there, and they threw it out kind of initially as a joke of my getting a place there because I, I was so at home in, in Paris. Mm. And um, I started going online and looking at ap- apartments online. And I was spending, you know, a couple hours a day doing this. I mean, talk about manifestation. But at the time, yeah. it, just was a, it was just something hopeful to do. I never actually thought I was going to go through with it. You That's know, not the sort the, of thing I would do. Mm, and I can totally, that was another thing I related to, too, when we start talking about manifestation is it's like even just having the vague vision of something is so powerful because I remember I was living in New Zealand I think at the time and I was and I wanted to live in Paris and I had written down on a piece of paper and put it inside of a of a book that I read and and I just forgot about it and then I think seven years later I was living in Paris I picked up that book and that note fell out interesting it yeah, is something so, you 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 make um you make a, a kind of a path with the universe. For me, honestly, mm. I literally thought I was just doing this as an escape because my life at the moment was miserable, and mm. I talk a lot about that in the book. That journey of of uh, mourning after my mother died, and and what ended up happening was I told some friends I was doing it. I was going online looking for apartments to buy in Paris. And, you know, my uncle is a science of mind minister who always told me, if you have a dream, tell people about it because it holds you accountable. And Mm. wow, did it ever. The next thing I know, I was on a plane for one day to go to Paris. I saw six apartments. I made an offer on the last one, and that's the one that became my apartment. The thing is, that sounds like something like a mobile day. Exactly. And the thing is, that's not something like a mogul would do, right? I have to tell you, I felt like an imposter <laughs> the entire time. The whole time we're looking at apartments, I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm wasting everybody's time. This is insane. And I did it. Then I hired an architect and a decorator. And I'm doing all of this from 3,000 miles away. And there actually is one of my chapters. What people will tell you called, in Paris is pretty hard to do. Doing well, things we'll in talk, France. Yeah, well, we'll talk about this. I hired experts. You know, I, I hired an expat agency who helped me. This is not something you should do on your own, but we'll get to that. No, I, mm. for me, though, the fact that I actually did this for myself, it, it, it was, it, the more I did it, the easier it became, the more of a rush I got. Mm. And it was, the, it was the bravest and boldest thing I ever did, and it changed my life. It changed me. And so I talk about that in the book. And then I also, most of the book is about after I come here to try to live here and the challenges that what were that yeah. period of time was fraught with and how I grow from that. So it's really a book that talks about finding self-worth um, and it also makes it very clear and I know I know we're going to get into this in a bit very clear that dreaming the dream and having the dream are two different things and how cool. and how do you know you still have the dream when it feels like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, also yeah. I wanted people to know that I'm the last person in the world that would have taken this bold risky step but I did Mm. anyway and I wanted people to know that I I made no bones about telling people how completely feeble I was and how full of fear I was because I wanted Mm. people to know it's not a special person who builds a dream life it's it's choices that any person can make and the Mm. fear is should not be something that stops you 
Mm, mm, mm. Yes, yeah. Yes. So I mean, I connect with your book on so many different ways. As you know, just as someone who has lived in Paris, who still lives in France, the journey of so many things, but also as a life coach, I really found that your book really searches the soul. And I think of any person who is thinking about, uh, you know, starting a new life somewhere else for whatever reason, and I think you find out the real reason why you go and live somewhere after you've done it. Like, did I just run here? Did I did I really just want to start a new life? And and that's what I liked about the book. It kind of takes you through all those different stages of um, when you want to begin again and figuring out, you know, what parts of that are good for you and what parts of it could be escaped. But you you take us through that whole journey, and that's what I, I really liked about the book. Thank so how you. long have you been in Paris now? So I came here um, on a part-time basis in, in 2014, and then it was more on a full-time basis in 2017 because I spent most of 2015 and 16 writing and touring the book around. Okay. So, uh, okay. yeah, so I came here more full-time 2017. And you still as in love with it as you were the from the first time? So, okay, this is a very important point to make. There's two points I want to make. First... And, and I, the second chapter of my book is called Paris Was an Accident. And the first yeah. line of that chapter is, I hated Paris. So, uh, of course, I was, I was 16, and, um, and I thought it was the most unpleasant, dirty, dirtiest place in the world. And it was at that time. time um, yeah. I also hadn't lived in New York, so I didn't know that that's how all cities are. But um, I, never, I was never the sort of person that dreamed of living in Paris all my mm. life. You know, I could care less about France. I was all about Italy. So Paris kind of happened to me insidiously. You know, it grew I just, on you. It grew on me. And the, the fact <laughs> that I have a place here, it's it just, I have a place here because I made this crazy choice of buying a place here. To, it was an act of self-preservation. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like mm-hmm. I said, oh, I've got this dream and I'm going to live this life and I'm going to do this thing and it's going to be this way. It, it, it wasn't like that. Um, and it's important for people to know that you know, it's important to know what the core of the dream is, not the details or the shape it's going to take. And let the universe make those decisions for you. Mm -hmm. If I look back at when I began to make goals Mm -hmm. and now where I am, I would say, yeah, um, it's exactly what I dreamed. It's just not the shape I thought it would take, but that doesn't make it any less perfect. So there's Mm -hmm. that, you know, is 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 it all as great as I thought it would be? And I talk, this is what I talk about this a lot in the book, that Paris was my happy place, which is why yeah. I think subconsciously I bought the pied-à-terre. Literally, I wanted a foothold on the earth of my happy place. And then I moved here, and there was this gigantic leak from my neighbor, so I had to move out, and then I didn't speak the language as well as I thought I did, and I was like running around from apartment to apartment, temporary <laughs> living, and I, I was like, why happy place is turning on me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I felt like a failure all the time because just going to the post office made me have a panic attack because this is the thing. When you move Mm. to a new place and you don't speak the language very well, even the simplest tasks become Herculean. I actually, the chapter is a chapter that didn't make it into a book, but it's on my blog. It's also called My Part-Time Paris Life, um, where I I write just about trying to do a load of laundry in my own laundry, in my own machine, in my own apartment that I didn't understand even how the dials work. So like that, and, and, and you feel like a failure. But the truth is, 
if you talk to other expats, they say, oh, yeah, I, I went through that. And I luckily had someone who, who, who guided me through that. Her name yeah, is Lisa Taylor yeah, having that support is really important. Really important. So, no, is Paris the way it was when I was vacationing here? Uh, no, and it's important to know that. If you want to come live in a foreign country, just know that living there and vacationing are two separate things. But that doesn't mean it's not also wonderful and rewarding. Yeah, it's I real think, life now. That's all. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the things from your book that I really like that you brought to the forefront is that um, that you know we all have dreams about you know places we want to go, things we want to do, the life we want to live, and um, and in our dream, there's no sort of any nothing goes wrong, but life doesn't work like that. You, there's going to be some challenges and some struggles along the way and it doesn't mean that the dream isn't what you thought it was just because there is exactly and as a coach who specifically an expat coach you get that and you you understand like the problem is there's two kinds of dreams right i say to people all the time are you is dreaming an escape or an action plan for you Mm, because mm, if dreaming mm. is an escape then maybe that thing you're dreaming about isn't really what you want. Maybe you just need to address what's going on in the moment. Um, I once had somebody come to me. He needed career advice because I'm a, and I was in creative direction for many years and he was, he worked for me and he was unhappy and he was, he said, you made such a big change and I want to do the same thing. And, and when I talked to him, I realized that he actually loved what he did. He just didn't like where he was. So it's important to really understand, Mm -hmm. right? Because it is work. Right, like as you say all the time, mm-hmm. the, the dream—it's—it's it's work. The and so, when work. the dream becomes reality, and it mm-hmm. gets to be the time when it's like a lot of work, that's when a lot of people quit because they think, "What's well, not easy anymore?" No, it just means yeah, that yeah, yeah. the buzz has worn off. Yeah, exactly. And it's, you know, and that's a that's a, it's a good point because lots of expats that I work with. You know, sometimes they come to Paris, and once they live there, it's nothing. It's nothing how they imagined it was going to be like. It's, and that is actually really difficult, especially if you don't speak the language. And sometimes they have to take jobs that they didn't necessarily want to. And 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 it's and it's showing the people like, okay, this place is still great. You just have to figure out how to 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 enter into that greatness from from a France standpoint and not from where you came from. Right. At some right. point, you have, right. I mean, look, I, I, uh, I talk, again, I talk about it a lot in the book, the um, when the bloom was off the rose and, um, and realizing that the real problem was that I had, you know, when you are actually, when you actually attain the dream, when it's actually has arrived, Mm-hmm. It, 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 it can be scary. It's uncomfortable mm-hmm. as hell, right? Yeah. Because you're wandering mm-hmm. around in a space that's bigger than you've ever been in before. Exactly. And sadly, that's when a lot of people bail because they think yep. because they have fear and it seems hard that, that, they, that they haven't arrived. No, you, that's, actually, that's actually a sign that you have arrived at the, yes, at the point yes. where the dream you're is not in your hands. If you're not uncomfortable, you haven't moved into a new space. Exactly. Get used to that, right? Mm, That's your new normal. Feeling uncomfortable is your new normal. I always have, I have a feeling in my gut that it's a fear place. 
So when I'm doing something new or daring and I feel that, rather than retreat, I go up, keep, maintain that fear buzz in your gut. That's how you know yeah. you're going in the right direction. So it will be yeah. uncomfortable. You know, you're never going to be perfectly ready for change. The real kind yeah. of change, the jarring, life-altering change is going to be uncomfortable. And you can't prep yourself yeah. for that. There's no, like, yeah. there's no like, like water wings that you can put on that are going to like make sure <laughs> exactly. it doesn't feel bad. You know? Like, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Like, you, you, you've got you've to, like you say, like in my book, the, the prologue, the first question is, who do you think you are? Yeah, that's what I wanted to talk about. Like in the start of your book, you asked, uh, you asked, yeah, who do you think you are to dream and to break and to break out of your tribe? So I think for a lot of expats, uh, this is something that is really, really important. And what most people don't actually think about when they are leaving is that you're leaving behind people who love you and friends, and you're going to be breaking out of this tribe and you're going to be starting a new life. And a lot of things come with that. Yes, I, you know, I talk about it. One of the chapters is um, called Living in Exile because I had to leave my apartment and um, I got a, like a friend gave me a rental. I mean, the thing is, all these wonderful things were happening to me while all these horrible things were happening to me, but I was so mired <laughs> in the bad things yeah. that I didn't see these gifts that were coming. And so I actually got an apartment in Rue Chanoinette, right next to Notre Dame. And, and I was miserable, though, because I didn't want to be there. But... Um, I, um, I, I t- talk about how I felt like um, black and white Dorothy in Technicolor Oz because yeah. I just, it just wasn't um, what I expected and it wasn't, um, it wasn't easy anymore. And also this idea of feeling like a failure. It was just so many well, things. You, well, you also talk about where some people tried to make you question what you were doing. So, um, and... But you still kind of, you know, jumped off the, you kind of jumped off the cliff and you, and you still took that chance. So what would you say to other people who, who, you know, who think they want to live abroad or move to Paris, but people are like, you know, just perpetuating their fears onto them to try to stop them from doing what they want to do? How, what advice would you give to people to move past that? Yeah, that's really, that's a hard one. It is, it is lonely blazing a trail. And, mm, and you have mm. to just know that, you, you know, you, you, you can use your energy in two ways. You can use it to um, do the research you need to do to make sure that you feel good about making that move. Or you can use that energy to convince people around you. Yeah. You know, I mean, how do you want to spend your energy? The thing yeah. is, you, you do what you do. People will, you can't expect applause all the way down the line because you're doing something bigger than most people could ever imagine. Just do yeah. what you need to do and, and then like let them catch your dust. And then when that dust settles, they're going to see where you are and they're going to go, oh, wow, that was awesome. Yeah. You and have some to make people get afraid. It's like some people, I don't know how, if this is the same experience you've had, but I know that. You know, some people, they, they, they're projecting their fears onto you unconsciously. Like what they're afraid to do themselves, they want you, to, they want you also to be 
as afraid as them so they can be okay to stay where they are. Because if you move, that may mean that they have to actually do something and that the fear they have is unjustified. That's right. And that's exactly what you, you've just summarized in the, the opening of my book. Exactly. Crabs in a bucket, a friend of mine called it. So, like, if, if you, they want you to stay in the bucket where it's safe and warm and familiar, and if you mm-hmm. show them there's a better life, then now they have to do they, – they, they're going to realize that the life they have isn't what they want it to be. Nobody wants to look in that mirror. So that's why I say don't waste your energy trying to convince the people close to you that you're doing the right thing because – that's not about that's about them it's not about you i agree yeah. it's very but it's very hard just know that it's lonely blazing a trail and you will feel alone but that's why it's so important when you come here to find support groups right away because i had lisa taylor Huff. i had a lot of french friends so i didn't know that there was even like i knew there was an expat community but i didn't search that out because i didn't want yeah. that i didn't want to come yeah. to france and have only like american friends if that's not yeah what I, I mean I mean, I also, when, you know, when experts are just moving, I always tell them, in the beginning, start with your community. Find a place where you speak the language, you know the culture, those people can help to support you, but don't stay there. That you have, yeah. the next step is about, once you've, you know, got your feet on the ground, it's about, okay, now how am I going to integrate into this culture? Exactly. And that's, that's the scariest part, but then... If that's not something you want, then why would you move to a foreign country? Exactly. That's why I say ask yourself what you're really dreaming about and Mm -hmm. why. Mm -hmm. Is it an action plan or are you just escaping the moment? Maybe the moment you're in, you need to just address that. So I understand what's easy and what's not easy, and I respect people who actually are really fully 100% here. That takes a level of commitment um, and daring. Yeah, you have to be comfortable yeah. with the risk and the results of risk taking, and that yeah. is a discipline. It doesn't. You don't have to be that person from the beginning. You can yeah, become that takes, person over it's, time. It's a, you evolve. Yeah, some, that's the thing. It's like with a lot of people I work with. Sometimes they have this all or nothing attitude, and and it's to know that um, it can't be all or nothing because you're not going to be the whole person you need to be. In every single moment, you you still going to need to learn things and to evolve with the change and adapt and evolve with your situation. So it's like you have to open yourself up to that. There's no right or wrong. There's just going to be what's happening. That's such a, such good advice. Um, it's good to have a plan and goals. It is. Yes. But yeah. know that you have to remain flexible. Because, mm-hmm. especially, you're right, living an expat life, I mean, who would have thought we'd be in a situation where I can't just hop on a plane and go back to New York yes, and go to exactly. my doctor's or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm literally stuck here because of coronavirus. And, you know, stuff's going to happen. And you have to really be, you have to be at peace in every moment. And, that's, and the only way to do that is to be flexible and stay in the moment. Um, and the thing is, anyone who comes to a foreign country to live, that to me is a very special kind of person. Even I don't put myself in that category, as I say, because I still feel like I have a foot in New York. But um, it's really um, a commitment to you because you won't have your family next door. mm -mm. Because also in your book you talked about, um, there was a part in your book where a friend told you, uh, you talk too much about the past. 
And um, I, I was interested to talk to you about that because you get a lot of people who move to a, a new place and they keep comparing it to their old life or their old uh, place that they lived. And um, I think there's a lot to be learned about, you know, how the past can be valuable, but when is, when is the limit where you, where you have to let go of that? Yeah, yeah. When you have two storage facilities full of your family stuff, that's when you know. That's when you're like, you got a problem. And I, you know, I've been spending um, multiple trips uh, to the states divesting of stuff, of my mother's stuff, my grandmother's stuff, and just stuff of my own life. And it was interesting. Um, you know, I was actually very upset at the time. My my friend Lapo was the one who said that to me, and I, my mother was only dead a few months. So I was like, yeah, really? Um, what, what's it going to be like when your mother dies? Like, you know, nobody understands. Yeah. Like, yeah. in the past, everyone was still alive, and, you know, mm. and I, I describe mm. that in the book. And so, like, so sue me for, for, for wanting to hang out there a little bit because the present was horrible, you know? And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's interesting. I, I recently did a major clean out of my apartment in New York early this year, and uh, I addressed the... Uh, the clothes closet, and I'm quite a clothes horse. And at the time, I worked in you know in the magazine world for years, so I had a lot of designer clothing. And um, but I realized that I had held on to stuff. The largest amount of stuff that I'd held on to and wasn't actually doing anything with was from the 90s. And it oh, dawned God. on me after like three weeks of ridding myself of stuff around the house and particularly in the closet, I I held on to things. It's as if my life was frozen in pre-9-11. So I was in New York when 9-11 happened. And it hit me that I was hanging on to that stuff because I was preserving a time when everything was really ideal and safe and wonderful and when I was happiest. And it made me realize, because 9-11 is like almost 20 years ago now, wow. Yeah, can you believe that? I know. What kind of a half-life have I been living since then? So it was a huge moment. And it was a huge and it, and wake-up it, call. And it also, it's like that energy of the past is blocked, taking the space for new experiences. If there's no uh, yeah. room for new things, new things can't come in. You have to clear off the shelves so you can put new things, you know, onto yes. them. And I, look, I, I actually did a lot in the, that period of time. I bought this place in Paris. I changed my life. But imagine how different mm. my life would be if I hadn't been this person from the 90s in this 90s bubble mentally trying to survive in this post-9-11 world, which is only yeah. seeming to get worse. <laughs> I hate to say yes, this, with the terror yes. attacks of 2015 and then this. But I realized that I was not living in the moment. And that, was, that for me was the big wake-up call. And purging that stuff, by the time I finished that project and came back here to Paris, I was not the same person. I, was, I, 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 I realized how rigid and fragile I was, and now I, I don't feel that way. I feel flexible. I feel supple. I feel, mm. you know, my mind... Yeah, changes. you feel free. There's nothing... Because I think the, the other thing about material possessions is, is what they say. You don't own it. It ends up owning you. Because as long as you have it, as much as you have, like you said, you have to have two storage closets. So now you're paying 
for storage closets, puts in stuff that's not being used, and then and then you and then you find yourself having to do all of these things to keep stuff. Mm-hmm. When would you? And when you're moving around, you need to be, you know, as stuff light as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and moving um, to a foreign country forces you to do that. And I, I, it's another thing I talk about in the book is, you know, the stuff. The stuff of my mother, the, my friend's stuff in his place in Burgundy, my stuff dreams, you know, this idea of the things. It's nice, fine to have things, but to your point, they can't own you. And it's not the yeah. things that, that were holding mm-hmm. me back. It's what the things represented that exactly. was holding me yeah. back. So, yeah, I mean, you know, look, as, as Eckhart Tolle says, the past doesn't exist anymore. The yeah. future is an illusion, and all you have is the moment. Yeah, and learning to embrace that moment, even if you have to do it a minute at a time, a second at a time, I mean, that is the way to do it. Actually, if you have to spend a day like that and then you look back on that day, you realize that was a quality day. And with coronavirus, yeah. I have to tell you, I it, I do everything I can just to be in that space, or I don't think I would get through these days as well as I have done. Yeah, sure, for sure. Because for none of us at this moment do we know what the future is going to hold. No one can predict how long this is going to take, you know, uh, and, and, and really you just have to do – I always tell people, if you're doing – the best you can in this moment, it normally takes care of all the other moments, right? If I'm doing everything I need to do to take care of myself and my life right now, that that's just makes me prepared for tomorrow, and it keeps me from looking back into the past. That's so well said. I think that's a beautiful message, absolutely, 100% because life is made up of a series of moments. It sounds like a cliche, but it is, in, in fact, the reality. And, yeah. uh, and living like that can help you do, to make those bold steps. You know, I always like to say, um, yes, have the goal, but don't keep looking forward. Just look at the stepping stone in front of you and yeah. then wait for the next one to light up and take the next step. And so mm. it helps you to make these huge leaps because you're taking it a step at a time. Yeah, and, and, some, um, and, some, and people, sometimes people are so afraid to make mistakes. And that was something else you talked about in your book. You talked about the courage to be flawed. And, um, and I know as an expert that can take on so many different hats. And, um, but for a lot of people, uh, it's about language. Like people are afraid to make mistakes if they're learning a new language or talking to people and not being able to express themselves. Can you talk a bit about seeing as like you're an author and someone who's used to and a coach and a speaker, you're used to expressing yourself. How hard was it the language barrier in the beginning? Yeah, you? it was brutal. You know, I thought I spoke French. You know, I took six years <laughs> of French. I thought, like, I'm good. You know, and I didn't yeah. understand a word anyone was saying. And I talked about it. This is a chapter, chapter six. I do it a lot in reading because it's the funniest one. It's called, I think if I could only understand you, I'd like you. <laughs> yeah. You know, you don't realize how important language is. Um, yes. You know, how important, for example, just hearing the conversations of people who pass you on the street or sit next to you mm. at a cafe table you don't realize how important that is to help you feel part of the larger world. So imagine sure. when all you hear is like fall, 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 fall. Yeah, and it, yeah. it was incredibly isolating. And, um, and as a writer, who can always find like the most perfect exact word to express my every nuance of emotion, 
to suddenly not be able to do that was truly my version of hell. Like that is my version of hell, not being understood. And, and, yeah, and then sure, couple that with sure. being a I perfectionist. Think, I think for me that's the, that, that's the same thing. I, um, I, I definitely felt like um, the time that it took me in between um, really being able to express my sense of humor. I think that was the hardest part yes. was expressing my sense of humor. That I, could, I had arrived to talk, I had arrived to go to parties, but I didn't seem as funny, you know? <laughs> like, yes. I say that's the same thing. I say that in the book. Like, like French Lisa was boring, you know? It was mortifying <laughs> to me. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm the yeah. life of the party, full of personality. And in French, I was like, I like that, Daddy's nice. You know, it was just brutal. And I, but because I was a perfectionist, I'm a perfectionist, so, and perfectionism is a wall we put up between us and the world, period. That's all it is. It's just another way to create a safety net so we don't have to interact and ergo be rejected by other people. So I use perfectionism as that wall, and it, it, it prevented me from opening my mouth even when I did know what to say. And I have a friend named Jeff Lane. I, he, he's a big part of the book. And in that chapter, and he speaks what he thinks is English. And very quickly, mind you, and stuff flies out of his mouth, and all he really does is he just anglicizes French expressions. And sometimes you're just like, I have no idea what he's even, I mean, you know what he's yeah. meaning to say, yeah. but it doesn't, that he doesn't know the words or the right way to say it not, doesn't stop him. And I realized um, after hearing him um, the way he would just speak French, with, uh, English, without stopping, I thought, you know, his personality shown, he made us laugh, his energy, everything translated. And I realized, you know, he, he made himself felt and understood. Yeah. And, I, and yeah. then I thought, and you know why? It was because of the flaws. The flaws made him who he was, his flaws in speaking English. And I asked the question in the end of that chapter, did I have the guts to be flawed like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, that's what, and, and I, I think that that's, that's such an important thing that you said there because it, that's when, and, you know, and I've, and, I, and I've taught language, you know, over the years, and that's what I tell people is not about you saying everything right. If you're confident in what you're saying, no matter how terrible you're saying it, people feel your energy and, and they'll do as much as they can to understand you. People are not focused on, you know, that you're saying everything correctly. People are focusing on, okay, what is she trying to tell me? Exactly. And look, I mean, yes, now I'm at a point where I can call up you know, uh, some like the repairman on the phone and, and talk to yeah. him and say, this is what I need. You know, and, and it, it, well, I, it helps when I, I, that I dated somebody who, you know, we only spoke French. So at some point I jumped into the pool and just, you know, I started paddling. And, it, you know, you have to do that. And, you know, I give a lecture every year at Bloom Your Planet on five things, you know, to, 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 you know, to thrive versus surviving as an expat. Yeah, and that's, what I, I that's about, what I would like for you to give our, our, re, our, our listeners today, your, your, your tips and advice of what you think uh, would really help someone who's thinking about, you know, moving to France or to yeah, Paris. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, don't, I, don't, I can't think of those five offhand, but I can tell you the first thing I talk about is learning French. You know, mm. you cannot do this without speaking the language. I have a friend who's here five years. She still doesn't speak French. 
I can't imagine the level of fear she must be walking around in all day long. Like I just, mm. I just, I don't, I can't, I can't understand it. So yeah, obviously I have three things that I would tell anybody. And, uh, and one is just knowing that France is, living in France is not like vacationing in France. And no. it, it is a different culture and believe me, that will present its challenges. You know, it's always no before it's yes is a big one, a big hurdle for especially for optimistic Americans. Um, how learning how to negotiate your way to yes and, and, and learning to um, get around some of the things that seem illogical to us but perfectly logical to the French. And, and knowing that, you know, even simple things like going to the store could become a Herculean task because <laughs> yes. you don't speak the language. But just yes. know that and know that that's normal yes. and it's going to pass. Mm. And obviously, learning French and being able to speak French is going to help you speed that process along. And, and having at least one friend who's an expat who can guide you through it, which I did have. So that's like the first big thing, is just know that it won't be easy, but that's okay. You will feel like an idiot every day for a while, and that's normal, and just embrace that. It's okay. And then the second thing is, um, you know, I, really to do your research beforehand and get expert help regarding visas. Mm. You know, I mean, yes. again, in other words, what I'm starting to tell you is if, if, if you want to, if you have a dream prepared. of living in France, you know, just yes. know that we're going to cut right to the practical, unromantic stuff right away. Set yes. the romance aside. That's going to be waiting for you. Exactly. Get right to the realities. It won't yep. be easy. Just know that. Number two, you need to know how the visas work and have that in place before you come. You don't want to be in a situation like many people I know yes, who come here without yes, a visa. Yes. Yeah, and, and like, people uh, are scrambling around at the oh last God, minute. And they, now they have a, an apartment and a boyfriend, and, and you're like, you know, this is the stuff I, you I, do I, before, not after. Yes, and I want to throw <laughs> up a little. Yes, I don't even know how they do yeah. it. So do yeah. that research. And the other thing I would very much recommend is get expert help finding housing. I recommend highly mm. An mm. expat real estate company, they're out there yeah, and it is a must because especially if you don't speak in the language, you speak the language, know that there, if you want to buy, there are no, there's no MLS here, there's no multiple listing service. The agents here work for the sellers. They couldn't care less about your criteria or what you want. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you need somebody, an advocate on your side. It is worth the fee. I can't say it enough. I didn't do it. So do as I say, not as I do. As I do. Even for <laughs> renting, you, right? Yes. Even for renting, because in general, landlords are risk averse because it's very easy for people to not pay rent here. They get mm. stuck paying the bill, mm. and it's very, it's not easy for. Foreigners. And there's no, and also there's no lack of demand. It's like you say when you when you went to go visit apartments, it's like you have to decide right now: do you want it or you don't? Yes, and and yes. renting is not easy because. Um, you have to show, if you don't have a work contract, it's very hard to get an apartment, very hard. Mm -hmm. You have to get a guarantor. Yeah. There's all these things that, that, that Americans things. and foreigners don't know how it works here. And exactly. so remove the things that could actually squash your dream before it starts. Get expert help exactly. for visas, get expert help to find housing. You have to approach this like a job. The, uh, the dreaming is, is nice, but... If you really want to do it, you have to approach it like a job and do yeah, the things and you, you need to do. And I, and I tell people, this is like any other thing that's important in your life. 
anything people want to do, if it's change career, if it's to have children, if, to get, if it's to get married, the first thing you start doing is figuring out how all of that works, you know, what you need to do to protect yourself, your finances. And, you know, people invest in that. But it's like sometimes when people move to a new place, into a new culture, they, they just assume it's going to be exactly the same as where they came from. And and they don't take the time to do that research, and they end up being frustrated and wasting a lot of time just because they they thought that when they arrived, everything was going to be exactly the same. I don't, I can't, that, to me, those people are, I can't imagine somebody moving to a foreign country having not done that work. Like, that amazes me. That alone is no, like a, 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 kind of, a kind of animal that I can't even imagine, the, 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 mm. like the boldness of that person. It's impressive. But it's, the, the problems will come if they don't. If you haven't planned for them, they will yeah. come. So those are those are the top three things I would say. Just know that it is a foreign country, even though you feel at home there. Living will have its challenges, but just know that you 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 know just know that and don't let that dissuade you because that will get better. And yes, do your research. Make sure you have what you need in place in terms of visas, and and definitely get help finding a place. That will it will. Getting an expert to help you find an apartment actually makes the process enjoyable. It actually, yes. it actually makes mm-hmm. it fun. And yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wish I had done that. I just didn't know those, those kinds of people existed. Regardless of what my house host, House Hunters International episode would show you, I did not actually have Adrian Leeds helping me. Um, I stupidly did it on my own. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's important to to just do the work, you know, in fact, it's not like marriage. We tend to throw ourselves into marriage romantically. We don't think about the practical things. Think of it more like a job hunt than a marriage, even though yeah. it's Well, if you're smart, one. you should actually figure out how to be in a marriage, too. You know, that's what I mean. It's like people who just dream of a marriage, but they don't think about all the work that actually uh-huh. takes once the wedding is finished, then you have the actual marriage, then right? So the difference. Married. Yeah, it's not the wedding we're talking about. We're talking about the marriage. You have to, you know, you really need to understand what it takes to be married. It's, and and it's that's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's the same. Exactly. And the ones who are successful are the ones who kind of, you know, uh, investigated what that's all about. And, you know, the people are just kind of flying by the seat of their pants. You just get lost. And sometimes yeah. you give up out of frustration and not actually because it wasn't right for you. That's a really good point. I think that's true of any life change. You know, do yes. the work yes. as much as you can, then take that step just because you never be that prepared. Um, mm. And just know that you need to stay flexible because it, it, it is a lot you can't yes. plan for. And just exactly. have that gratitude that keeps the joy in it no matter what's happening to you. Yes, yes. Well, Lisa, thank you so much for your interview today and all your pearls of wisdom. And I don't know, is there any new projects? I know you have your, like I, I said in the introduction, you have your blog. And you're, and at the moment you're writing every day about the, the process of the confinement, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Yeah, so, okay, so yeah, you might, I guess my, my, my 30-second uh, spot. So there's the book called My Part-Time Paris Life. The blog is also called MyPartTimeParisLife.com. And yeah, I'm blogging uh, almost every day now. It was every day during confinement. Now it's every, every other day, um, you know, uh, life after lockdown. And uh, I also have a series, same name, MyPartTimeParisLife.com, and uh, Part-Time Paris Life, and it's uh, – it highlights expats and Parisians who've taken a risk to change their life. So we're, we're editing new episodes now. 
And you can find all of that at my, par- my part-timeparislife.com. Everything is, is in that place. And, uh, and then I have another project called Save the Paris Cafe, which celebrates cafe life. And of course, we are worried about our cafes, given that they're all closed for <laughs> yes, so long. Yes. Who would Paris yeah. be without its cafes? I know. But, so, but yeah. yeah, so... Yeah, so your so your website is just uh, your name is or the website is mypartimeparislife.com. Um, my, my, my partimeparislife.com. There's also leafansummer.com. You can go to that. You'll find everything there too. But um, I do all most of my writing and everything in the creative side is um, at my mypartimeparislife.com. Uh, leafansummer.com has more of uh, that, but also my coaching, which I also do writing and speaking coaching and branding coaching which is also very much my bread and butter. Yes, you are a multi-talented, you're a multi-talented woman. And um, so, yes, for anybody out there who's looking for, you know, someone who can help you in multiple facets of your journey, um, yes, please reach out to, to Lisa. I'll be putting all of her details in the bio, and you can find all the information about her and her work and her coaching and speaking Um, should you be interested. So I would like to thank everyone for listening to us today on WRP, and I look forward to speaking with you soon. Thank you, everybody. Bye. Thank you. Bye, Lisa.